podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, the majors of 2021 have come to a close and in his first start at the Open Championship, Colin Morikawa is the champion golfer of the year. Elk, you're so big on Morikawa week after week. What did you make of the display that he put on around Royal St. George's? Well, I have a few things that I'd like to uh, take away from last week, Diane. You know, the two best players, it seemed, I put Louis Oosthuizen in there, all the three best players, Louis Oosthuizen, Jordan Spieth, and Colin Morikawa, who were poised to go at it on Sunday, certainly did. Uh, Louis, unfortunately, couldn't find that form that he'd had the last three days, and that was a shame, but Morikawa just played better. But what I enjoyed uh, last week, Diane, was it wasn't all about distance. And this course is an ancient course. I, I'm going to get it wrong. It's a couple hundred years old. No one, none of these big hitters. We weren't watching players try to hit the ball far off the tee. We're watching Colin Morikawa just thread these shots between all these bunkers with a three wood. We saw Jordan Spieth hitting a big high cut shot. Well, maybe that doesn't work in the US because he would give up so much distance with that shot. But over there, Diane, it works. And quite honestly, I know that's your favorite tournament and that's where you're from. That course doesn't show up very good on TV. It's sort of Hard to tell. I know it's tricky. I've played it. I know there's a lot of undulation, but it looks pretty mundane on TV. But the story obviously became, could Colin Morikawa just keep threading it between these nasty bunkers and just doing what he did all day? It's really interesting you say that because that was my biggest takeaway is that, you know, obviously at the start of the week, we dive so much into the course and I was expecting it to look so dramatic on TV. The scores were lower than we typically see to kick off the Open Championship. But you're right. I don't think the undulation came across it. I don't, yeah, I agree with you 100% in that it didn't look as dramatic as I expected it to look. Yeah, and, you know, we're seeing the reemergence of Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, we talked about him being like Ballesteros in our show last week because he was such an up-and-down guy. And it's like it was becoming really evident to me watching the golf yesterday with my son Sam and actually the whole family that Spieth wasn't hitting it as good as Morikara and it looked like as the day went on, well, when Morikawa took over the tournament was probably the second shot he hit at hole number eight. He had about 190 yards shot over a hill. He just birdied seven. Louis made a mess of seven out of the, out of the greenside bunker. There was a two-shot swing. And on eight, Morikawa stood in the eighth fairway for the first time leading the golf tournament outright on a weekend. And he hit a seven iron in there and made birdie and then birdied the ninth. And that was it. It was from then on, it was whether or not he could hit it straight. I personally enjoyed watching these guys try to hit it straight and not far because we knew if they got offline into the big stuff, then it was going to be an automatic bogey. So from, from a perspective of what's been going on with the golf, I thought the golf course handled itself really well. The Open Championship never disappoints and the best player won the tournament. 
And as I said at the start, that was Morikawa's first appearance at the Open Championship. He'd played the Scottish Open the week before. He credits that with a lot of his play and understanding of the course and how to play Lynx golf. He put a new set of irons in the bag. I mean, we know that he's such an elite iron player and that was on full display. But his putter, and we had gone back to this as well because he's been experimenting with the claw grip and he seesaws between the two. So it's very interesting to watch that but his putting especially coming down the stretch on Sunday was just flawless I mean that guy played flawless golf for someone of his age it's such mature classic golf yes you know we all saw that the greens are medium paced we talked about that that's a traditional setup in the open they get ready for big win we never saw the win last week it was Difficult for a lot of players to hit the ball firm enough to get the putts in. Morikara on 14, who hit that ball below the hill, had a 25-footer up over the hill. And I told Sam, I said, look, he's going to two-putt this, and it's going to be on. You know, it's going to be tight for the last three holes. And nope, he made that putt up over the hill. He had the speed down. Yes, very mature player. Um, You and I walked with him at the Players' Championship, and I, I think I said to you, Diane, I said, I haven't seen a guy have that tight a spin. We talk about pitches in baseball that have a real tight curve. I told you the spin on his ball that we watched the last three holes at uh, the Players' Championship together, I said, I haven't seen that tight a spin on a guy's shot, a little power fade for a long time. And I said, there's a guy right there I'm going to be putting a lot of cash on. (laughs) As you say, Jordan Spieth finishing two shots back. Those two shots came on, well, the end of round three on 17 and on 18. And those are mistakes that are really going to live with him for a long time. It's going to be tough for him to get over that because, you know, take back those two shots and we could be all square finishing up on Sunday. But another thing that I heard was that Since, you know, I think the early 1900s, a staggering percentage of the overall champions have been at or within four shots of the lead heading into Sunday. Ram was five shots back and I looked at that and thought there's no way you can rule him out. He ended up shooting four under on Sunday and finishing in third place. But you always say the cream rises to the top in majors and I mean, we see it time after time. The guys that are up the top of the leaderboard are former major champions or in that elite section of guys in the world golf rankings. Yes, Ram um, is going to be a force of nature going forward in majors. He knows what to do now. He's over the hump with the US Open. Big, strong legs, very fearless player. Looked like he had a million putts at St. George's and finished just right there. so, you know, it's an exciting time for golf. I mean, we've got Morikawa heading to the Olympics. We've got Ram heading to the Olympics. They're going to clash against one another in the Ryder Cup very soon. It's going to be, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about, Diane. Yeah, well, we have a lot to talk about on our tour report this week. The PGA Tour is in Minnesota for the 3M Open. It's the third time we've seen this tournament. We've only got a couple of weeks left until those FedEx Cup playoffs begin. So guys are trying to get in that 125 and really get the best position they can in the FedEx Cup ranking. Ryder Cup, Olympics, all of that coming up. And we're going to dive into it this week on our tour report. Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app and play four ball. It's a classic stroke play competition based on the aggregate scores of four players. 
Who makes your team? Well, pick four guys, one from each tier based on the current World Golf rankings. Want a tip? You need four guys to make the cut. Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app, available on iOS in the App Store. Hi and welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf. I'm Diane Knox, joined by Steve Elkington. Do you have a little bit of an open hangover? Are you missing Lynx Golf this week? No open hangover, Diane. I was still stinging from that 86 I shot at St. George's back in. No, I'm over that. No, you know, next year we won't. We won't have that. Uh, we'll have the contrast next year, Diane. We'll see the old course at St. Andrews with the city in the background, and we're hitting over buildings, over uh, over the old course hotel, the road hole. There'll be a lot more contrast next year. You'll be able to see a lot more, and that's uh, something already we'll be all looking forward to. Yeah, well, I love it every year, but of course, we're all very excited about the Open being back at St. Andrews next year. Anyway, this golf ship keeps sailing and it's on to Minnesota this week for the 3M Open. Now, of course, last week we had the Barbasol Championship as well. Seamus Power winning our very own JT Post and losing on the sixth playoff hole, which was kind of tough to watch Elk because he played so well throughout the whole week and... Um, pretty much one bad swing on the 15th hole was the one that cost him. Yeah, JT posted a text with him after the round. I watched the whole thing yesterday afternoon. I felt terrible for him. And I thought, well, you know, if he won that playoff, would I have wanted him to just cruise in and win by four or, or go through a playoff and go through all that? There was some things he learned yesterday, I'm sure. Stung like crazy, though, last night because he did have the tournament in hand. Easy par five. Hooked his tee shot out of bounds. One bad shot. <clears throat> cost him two strokes. The field, the feeding frenzy, the field knew that happened and they all raced up the board and they finished up in a playoff and he could never quite <clears throat> get his foot back in the door. He did have a couple of putts at it, almost made it, I think, on the fifth playoff hole. But in the end, uh, a very disappointing week for him, uh, Diane, considering uh, he had a three-shot lead with four holes to go. You talk about a feeding frenzy, and we've seen that the past couple of weeks, you know, at the Barbasol, at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and we're going to see that again this week at the 3M Open. It's another, you know, generally pretty easy course. We're going to have super low scoring. Last year, Michael Thompson won at 19 under par. The year before, it was Matt Wolf. Remember that? He was 21 under par, but it was a duel between him, Morikawa, and DeChambeau, and Wolf getting that eagle on the 18th to win. So, we're going to see a lot of birdies, a lot of eagles. It's going to be a scoring fest this week. Yes, and as we handicap this week, Diane, I played this course in the Champions Tour a couple of times. Uh, it's a it's a sort of a you know, parkland course. There's a lot of water, just like Minnesota is known for, the uh, state of a thousand lakes. There's, a, there's plenty of lakes on this golf course, so you can't hit it everywhere you, or anywhere. You've got to play the course properly, but there will be very low scoring. Uh, the last hole right behind you, there's a, a, a very cool hole. Everybody drives down there and they can take a crack at that green across the water. We saw Matthew Wolf. He'll be back in action this week after having a little time off again. Wonder how he's going to be, what, what, how his game is shaping up. He was able to walk in off and play well at the U.S. Open. So we got a lot to uncover. I'm thinking this week, Diane, mostly about why are players there and what motivates them to play well. And we're going to get into that. And it's going to be clear after we tell you our picks. Why and why are they there? <laughs> 
Well, this week you, you mentioned the water on the course. 27 water hazards. There's only a handful of holes that don't have water on them and 72 sand traps. So this week they've narrowed the fairways since the PGA Tour Champions event was held there. But how important is it going to be to be accurate and is distance going to be a premium? Well, we saw obviously... Uh, last week, we saw a different style of golf at the Open Championship where fairways was just the only way to go. On the U.S. Tour, a lot of the guys are going for distance. Okay, so where does it leave us this week? As you noted, there's a ton of lakes. You've got to avoid all of that trouble. So the best way to play this course is from the fairway. Uh, Diane, I think maybe the guys that are coming off, there's a, quite a few players that played in the Open Championship that are playing this week. Look, from the fairway, hitting second shots across water, always want to be in the fairway. So I think the players will be playing this course thinking about being in the fairway. Okay, and as you said, there's a lot of reasons why guys are here. Some really big names in the field, which was a little bit unexpected. A lot of guys have made the trip back across from England. Dustin Johnson playing, Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Reed. We're thinking about FedEx Cup rankings and we're going to go into that, but also there's Ryder Cup points to play for as well. And a lot of those guys fall out with the top six that have secured their place. So Elk, we're going to go through our re-ranked top 10. We've already been talking a bit about the course and what guys are going to have to do around here. So the main stat categories that we're looking at this week and last week for the Open Championship, we kind of threw the stats out the window. We're back to the stats this week with a lot of other factors too. Yeah, I mean, last week we had to because it was it was obvious that they didn't mean anything. Uh, Morikawa was 140-ranked putter in the field, and he was number one last week. So you put players on certain courses with certain different circumstances, a lot of pressure last week. This week, you've got to drive it straight. What are our stats? I don't have them in front of me. You'll have to say. So we are going to look at total driving, greens and regulation, scrambling, putting average, and birdie average, which really, you put all those together – that equals low scoring and that's what we're going to expect. We are going to see a, a heaped up leaderboard come Sunday with guys just battling, trying to get lower and lower. Minus 21 from Matt Wolf in 2019 and Michael Thompson won last year at 19 under par. So it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, even though there is no end of the year, but there really is, Diane. It's in two weeks. What that means is there's a cutoff in two weeks. If you're outside of the top 25, 125, you're not on tour next year. If you're outside of top 150, you can just forget about playing hardly any events. But on the other end of that, there's guys that are trying to get into the top 30, secure their spot into a couple of playoff events. There's guys like Finnau, Patrick Reed, who are outside of the Ryder Cup looking in. Could they have a hot week and... Yes, they've got their FedEx points, but could they jump into the picture into Steve Stricker's mind for the Ryder Cup? There's a bunch of guys that are sitting outside. Ricky Fowler, Diane, is sitting on the cut at 124th on the money list. Is anyone worried about Ricky? Yes, Ricky is. He shot 65 yesterday in the last round. So why is he there? And we're going to talk about that. Okay, well, we're going to launch right into our re-ranked top 10. And the guy at number one... Just dropped to number two in the official world golf rankings. He's made the trip back over from the Open Championship where he finished in a tie for eighth. Dustin Johnson is our number one guy. Now, Elk, last year he withdrew from this event. So this year 
he's back in action. Are you surprised that he's made the trip across the pond to compete this week? Well, yes and no. He, he probably committed to this event last year, withdrew for some uh, illness, and then he said, look, I'm coming back next year. So when guys uh, of Dustin Johnson's caliber, when they leave to go to the Open Championship, they don't leave thinking they're just playing the Open and, oh, my God, I don't want to go to Minnesota. They think of the stretch they're getting ready to put together. Dustin Johnson played pretty average golf last week and still finished in the top 10. So he has to sit on top of our board, Diane, a little tweak here or there. He changed his putter and his driver last week. Could he have been there? No, he couldn't have beat Morikawa last week, but he's still the best on top of our board this week. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why he's at number one and there's really nothing else left to say about him. The only thing is he's 15th in the FedEx Cup standings right now and we've got a couple of weeks left and the playoffs begin and the points are quadrupled in the playoff events. But remember, the top 10 get part of that massive $15 million bonus. So he can jump up a couple of spots if he wants to make this season a little bit more fruitful. Yeah, with a win here, Dustin Johnson puts himself right where he wants to be, which is a chance to win, what is it now, $20 million for the oh, FedEx Cup? I know. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> so there's reasons for all these players to doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay, coming in at number two is a guy who is playing good golf right now. He just nabbed his first win on the PGA Tour at the Rocket Mortgage Classic just a few weeks ago. Won in a playoff against Joaquin Neiman and Troy Merritt. So Cam Davis, we have him at number two this week. Yeah, he was not able to travel to the Open Championship after qualifying for it at the last minute. The Rocket Mortgage, Diane, he had visa problems. So he went home, he celebrated with his family. Who doesn't think Cam Davis is going to play good this week? <clears throat> the guy is swinging so good, confident, the whole show, perfect golf course for him. He's got a beautiful golf swing. He hits it straight. Uh, we're not going to be comparing everyone now to Morikawa, but he's a very straight hitter, even longer than Morikawa, Cam Davis is. So, yeah, I mean, it's a toss-up whether he could have been number one this week. And, you know, that's a good point about the visa issues, you know, because he couldn't go to the Open. So that would have been disappointing, frustrating, especially with the momentum of that win and taking it over to the major. But as you say as well, he got to really mark and celebrate his debut victory on the PGA Tour, which is such an important thing for someone his age to do. Yeah, and what is he on FedEx? Top 30 on FedEx this year. We'll get him in the Open next year. Yeah. So he, he he's eyeing ahead of all the majors. He's got a lot to look forward to, this kid. But the thing that I'm looking forward to, Diane, we talk a lot about form this time of year. Guys that are starting with their motor already running, Cam Smith is wide open when he gets there. Did I say Cam Smith? Cam Davis. <laughs> I mean, they're both Australian. <laughs> okay, coming in at number three is Tony Finau coming off a 15th place finish at the Open Championship. What do you make of Finau right now? Um, in that he didn't have a, a lot of form heading into the Open. That was a, a good finish. And we know that he can really turn it on and do well in the majors. But what, what do you, what's your position on Tony Finau right now? The putter is still a little chilly yes. uh, with Finau. He negotiates the tee to green part as good as anyone on the tour, uh, Diane. And he had a good week last week, but he still left a few putts out there. I saw him miss a couple of three-footers and doesn't quite look settled. But he's sort of out of the limelight a little bit. And I'm wondering, Diane, if he could have a spurt of energy right now to get on the Ryder Cup. He's outside of the Ryder Cup. Would he be good in the Ryder Cup? 
he'd be great if he was putting good. Uh, so he's looking for one little spark and it's only the putter. So whenever I start seeing guys that have finished in the top 15, as you've noted, with one tiny fraction of a thing to fix, I'm always on top of that. These Ryder Cup picks are going to be interesting to see who Steve Stricker goes with because there's only a few more weeks of the, the points remaining. And I mean, even Jordan's out with the top six right now. So, you know, you'd think he's going to get a pick, but it's going to be tricky. It feels like the American team is playing better golf than the Euros. And the reason I say that is we don't hear anything from the Euros talking about how good they're playing. So when I look at Ram, of course, goes over to the Euros. Rory's a little bit of a question mark. Fleetwood had a nice week last week. Hatton's off form. The Euro team, to me, Diane, is not put together yet. Could happen very quickly. The US team seems to be a little bit more organized mentally uh, or, or in form, but it's still a little early. Yeah, well, we're going to have a taste of it all next week for the Olympics. Coming in at number four in our re-ranking, do you see the smile on my face? Because we're talking about Hank Levioda. <laughs> you have been on this three times in a row. He finally made, he was a sizzler pick. He was a top 10 pick and he hasn't let you down. And now he's made his way into the top five. What I'm looking at, Hank, Diane, he's got three, what is it? Three top five finishes in a row. And I've learned from listening to you and (laughs) listening to TV, this guy's a very good athlete, sort of like a Dustin Johnson, played high school football, high school baseball, very strong player, But when a player switches gears and he realizes he can win, I watched a little piece on the the Open Championship, Diane, yesterday, Jack Nicklaus versus Tom Watson at the the Battle in the Sun at Turnberry, I think, in 77. Did you see that clip? No, I didn't. They walked off the green. Jack Nicklaus got beaten by the last hole by Tom Watson, and Tom Watson said, Jack said something into his ear, which was, I gave you my best today and you beat me. And that changed everything for Tom Watson. He realized that the greatest player that ever lived just told him that you took down his best. I'm not saying Hank is there, but he knows now that he can he can play with these guys. Well, seven consecutive cuts made, three top 10 finishes. Two of those have been top five in a row. And he is first on the PGA Tour for putting from three feet. Which I mean, that's that's an, that's your pressure putt right there, and we know it's going to be a birdie fest this week. But because this is the third time we've uh, seen this tournament, and the tour has been to TBC Twin Cities in all eight rounds, he's been under par. So that's another good start heading into this week. He has a lot of good momentum around this course. There's no doubt, and anyone in his camp will be saying, "Let's get it while you're hot." You know, let's let's stay out there on tour. Let's go after it. Yeah. Right, coming in at number five is oh, I can't help but just have a little bit of a heavy heart for Louis Oosthuizen, and I mean, I don't know why because he finished third at the Open Championship and would have made a whole ton of money, but he was fifty-four hole leader, and it's kind of the same old story. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> Apart from that one time eleven years ago. <laughs> Yeah, they always talk about Louis like it sounds like he's never won, but he he is an open champion, of course. And I think there'll be less sting 
yesterday, Diane, than there would have been at Torrey Pines when he hooked his tee shot on the 71st hole into the in, down into the ocean or down into the gunch uh, at Torrey. This one, he got thoroughly beaten by Colin Morikawa. And when you stand toe to toe with somebody and they beat you, the sting is not as bad. I can promise you I've been there. Uh, I've seen people walk right over you. Uh, now, from a technical standpoint, <clears throat> it was clear that Louis was losing his irons a little bit to the right, made one poor bunker shot, and that was what separated him. And he was not able to claw his way back into because Morikawa put too much pressure on him, putted too well, and Louis got squeezed out. That's, that's the way it goes. I was ready to throw something at my TV when Paul Azinger kept making out that Louis was like a veteran. He was saying, you know, it's going to be one of his last chances to win another major. I'm like, he's the same age as me. <laughs> 38 years old. I'm like, geez. I'm 20 years older than you. And I almost won the PGA at Whistling Straits when I was 48. So opportunity always arises. Louis Oosthuizen this all this form, all this the way he thinks about majors and the way he gets himself in contention. Sam and I discussed: Is he too calm? Does he need to get up a little bit, like John Rahm, a little bit of fire when he gets going? Maybe I don't know, but it seems like the calmness certainly gets him into contention. But can he get himself up a little bit more? I don't know. Some major Sunday for you. We are rolling through our top 10 and we're on to number six. Now, number six, we know this guy's game really well. And Elk, can you not feel it that something big is coming for Patton Kazire? He's already got two wins on the PGA Tour, but they came a good few years ago now. But he is just getting more and more consistent, it seems, every week. Yes, and I text with Patton all the time, and we both know that something's uh, coming very big for him. I think he holds the final round scoring average on the PGA Tour, and it's about 65 right now. He's had, I think, three 64s to close. I'm just I'm spitballing here, but uh, Patton Kazire gets so hot recently in rounds, and I just think it's a matter of time before something big happens for him. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the John Deere Classic final round, six under, and that boosted him up to into a tie for 11th. Three rounds in Texas, mm -hmm. he shot 64 the week that Spieth won, he shot 64 in Dallas, and he shot 64 in the last round at Colonial. So it takes a certain player to be able to shoot that low on a Sunday because some people take their foot off the gas when they get in the big money and they don't just keep going it. But Patton is a, a master putter, uh, and I would like to see what he can do when he gets in the lead early in the week. Me too. Second on the whole PGA Tour for putting average. So Patton at six. Coming in at number seven is his partner when they won the Shark Shootout. And this guy opened the Open Championship with a 65. He was right up there really for three days. But Brian Harmon is coming in at number seven for us this week. And I think Brian Harmon is the number one putter on the tour inside of 10 feet. Wow. And when I think about guys that make a lot of 10-footers, I'm always jealous of them. And uh, Brian Harmon is having a great season. He'll be looking ahead. He'd be an outside thinker. What if he won here and all the good golf in the majors? He almost won the players. He's been there in every major. Would he be a pick for Steve Stricker if he won late here? He's such a bulldog. He'd be awesome in match play. So surely, Diane, Brian Harmon's thinking about winning this tournament and getting on the Ryder Cup. 
Brian Harm is at 33 in the FedEx Cup rankings right now as well. So, And we're talking about his finish at the Open. That's his third top 20 finish out of the four majors in 2021. That's unbelievable. Yeah, he's playing great golf. Um, he just hasn't been in there on TV where we've seen him on a Sunday. He's just been out of the limelight ever so slightly. Did a triple bogey, I think, in the U.S. Open on Tory on Sunday, or he was going to be in the hunt with that. So he's just been out of it. I'd like to see what he could do, as I said about Patton Kazaya, if they got into the hunt because there's so much momentum behind them in their bag right now. Okay, well, coming in at number eight, someone whose stats we are kind of throwing out the window this week. We're really going big on form for Dylan Fratelli. He was coming off a streak of miscuts. Then he goes to the Open Championship, plays amazing, especially at the weekend, and ends up finishing in a tie for fifth. Finished fifth at the Masters in November 2020 as well. So I don't know, South African, something to do with these links, courses, big majors. I don't know, but Dylan Fratelli has to be feeling some fire in his belly right now. He certainly does. And the two things that I like about what I saw all week with him is he's hitting it straight and he holds his head still with his putter. He doesn't even look at the hole. He, he listens for it to go in. How does he do that? <laughs> I don't know. He must have used. He must have peeked at it when he and he said, "I'm not ever peeking again." But I, you know, and everyone else knows, Diane, that I am so big on form. And when I get a guy that's in form, who, by the way, what is he on FedEx? He's just made the biggest jump ever. One or six. Yeah. So he was outside looking in. So what would make his year superb would be continue good play. He just beat a much stronger field. Uh, everybody but four players at the Open Championship. So I'm thinking about his mindset, Diane. He knows he's putting good, he's hitting it straight. Perfect setup, lakes everywhere, bunkers everywhere, rough everywhere. Let's just keep it going. Let's go. Talking of that FedEx Cup number, and you mentioned him at the start of the show, the next guy is at number 124. We know that 125, that is the golden number. So Ricky Fowler is hanging on by a thread right now. This is uncharted water for Ricky Fowler, who year after year has his tour card locked up because of wins and because of majors, Ryder Cup teams, President Cup teams. But it's been a completely different season for him. Yeah, he is struggling on the tour. Uh, he has a bright spot every once in a while. Top 10 finish at the PGA at Kiowa, a 65 yesterday at the Open Championship. Why is he in Minnesota? He's not going to be on the Ryder Cup. He is barely keeping his ticket this year. He has a baby coming in the fall. There's a lot of distractions in the Ricky Fowler camp, but his mind has to be, Diane, let's have a good week. And I'm looking for motivated players. He just shot 65 yesterday. Will he be able to get it going in the beginning of the week? And I'm saying, yes, I think so. Ricky Fowler is not going to finish outside of the 125. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so I'm putting bank on him this week, and that's why I've got him at number nine, Diane. You sound just like his sponsors, I'm sure. <laughs> it can't happen. <laughs> and then completing our top 10 is the guy who won in 2019 here. It was his first year on the PGA Tour. It was his first couple of weeks on the PGA Tour, and Matthew Wolf got the victory with a tremendous eagle on the 18th. It was, um, you know, a 
Ball Strikers Paradise coming down the stretch on Sunday with him and Morikawa and DeChambeau. Matt Wolf got it done. He skipped the Open Championship, but he's back this week and hopefully it's a good one for him. Yeah, Matthew Wolf is a, a real talent. They spoke yesterday on the TV telecast about Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa all coming out. Who was going to be the one they were going to be looking at? Well, all of them. They're all awesome. Uh, Hovland's won twice, once in both tours. Uh, Colin Marikawi, okay, we got him checked. Wolf has his physical golf game is superb. His mental game has let him down. He's had some personal issues with his with his thinking and his attitude on the course. He's been away from the game, trying to get that organized. Can he get his foot back in the door and sort of find a happy spot for him to play the tour? It's not uncommon, by the way. Diane, that guys go through this Matthew Wolf type. There's a lot of stress on the tour. There's a lot of problems about being away from home. There's a lot of being separated from all kinds of things. And can they feel comfortable? Can, do they deserve to be making this kind of a money? What all these different things that young kids have got to get organized and put into perspective. And Matthew Wolf is in the middle of it, but he's battling Diane. He's going back to a course where he shot 21 under. Everything will rush back to him. And let's see if he can get himself back on track. And I think it's brilliant that he talked about it because it's going to help a lot of other people. I think it's also going to help him as well to be able to let this out and and verbalise the struggles that he's been through. And he's getting, obviously, so much support from everyone on tour and the wider golf community as well. So, so Matthew Wolf, hopefully back on the right track. And we have him at number 10 this week. So our full top 10, Dustin Johnson, Cam Davis, Tony Finau, Hank Levioda, Louis Oosthuizen, Patton Kazire, Brian Harmon, Dylan Fratelli, Ricky Fowler, and Matthew Wolf. Now we've gone through our re-ranked top 10 and there's a lot of big names elk that made the trip across from the Open Championship to play this week in Minnesota. And one of them is Patrick Reed, but coming off a missed cut. Now, we've been talking about why are guys playing this week? What do you think the motivation is behind Reed appearing in the field? I watched Reed play uh, in the featured group last week. He didn't play very good, had the hooks off the tee, Diane, didn't putt that good, looked a little bit out of sorts. But there's only one reason that Reed is in Minnesota, Diane. He is the thorn in the Euros side for the Ryder Cup. And he he is the opposite of Ian Poulter. He's the one, he's the spark, the match. And he wants to solidify his spot in the team. So I think Patrick Reed, I think he's there, Diane, to win this tournament and get Steve Stricker to pick him yeah. so that he can be a thorn in your team side, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now in the rankings, he's coming in at number seven. So, uh, no, sorry, number eight. Jordan Spieth's at seven out with that top six that get their place. And then Patrick Reed. But, you know, he's got Harris English right behind him. Patrick Cantley, Finau, Berger. There's a lot of big names right there. And I guess he's looking to really make that jump up because Patrick Reed missing out on the Ryder Cup would be terrible for him. Yes. And, you know, Teams, you know, we're not going to talk too much about it, but teams have balance points and or tipping points. And Ian Poulter has knitted the Euros team together for so many years 
They keep saying, oh, well, Ian Poulter, of course he's going to be on the team. He is the team. Patrick Reed's not the team, but he adds a little bit of spice to the American team. A good putter, plays well under pressure. He had that famous shush. And Steve Stricker, he's he's sitting right where he kind of needs to be. One good week here will push him into the team. Okay. Well, we have got three sizzlers for you. Now, these are guys at higher odds who have made big jumps up in our re-ranking and we think that they could be good picks this week for the 3M Open. We are starting with Jonathan Vegas who very quietly has crept up to number 72 in the FedEx Cup standings. He's had two runner-up finishes this year at the Puerto Rico tournament and the Palmetto Championship at Congaree and another top 10 ninth place finish at the Byron Nelson but Jonathan Vegas is slowly but surely returning to maybe form of days gone by and he's putting together a really good season. I know Johnny Vegas very well, lives here in Houston, up at the Woodlands, been watching him all season. A year ago, Diane, he was almost the worst putter on the PGA Tour and now you've just said it. He's 70th in the FedEx. No one's even had him on the radar at all, all year. It wouldn't shock me one bit. He's one of the longest hitters on the PGA Tour. He's driving the ball straight. I talked to uh, some guys who were played with him the other day. He's hitting it one mile straight, and he's fixed his putting. He's got something he's keyed in on. He's got the money in the bank behind him. It's 70th on the FedEx, Diane. I am all over this pick this week. Okay, good. So Jonathan Vegas, um, as we said, 72nd in the FedEx Cup rankings and he's 66 to 1 this week. So pretty decent odds for him. Now, the next guy is 50 to 1, slightly lesser odds and probably because he's been having such a good season as well. Um, He just finished fifth at the Barbasol Championship. He's 121st in the FedEx Cup standings. So uh, Coat is on a sugarly peg for Patrick Rogers. Yes, I watched Patrick Rogers finish yesterday at the Barbasol. When I start to think about a guy that just finished fifth, playing very good golf, going to a very similar course. If you watched the playoff yesterday or you watched any of the Barbasol, all the holes had water all on both sides coming in with shots across water. Very similar golf course this week. Got to hit the ball straight. I'm looking at that 121st. Diane on the FedEx and and we have other players like Pat Perez who's 115th, Ricky Fowler 124th. They want to be in it next year. They want to have their ticket and I'm looking at guys around that area that are playing good golf and this guy stands out brightest of them all. The thing about Patrick is I feel like he's hot out of the gate. He's got a really good scoring average when it comes to the opening round, but it's just keeping that momentum going. I mean, the Travellers, he shot 65 in the first round, made the cut, but ended up finishing in a tie for 76th. So, I mean, it's, and you'll see a lot of that, that it's that opening round is super low. He just needs to keep that going for three more days. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I was te- texting with my close friend Jason Duffner who had three good rounds last week, had a one-over yesterday, kind of spoiled his week. He was up to second place on Saturday evening. It was very exciting seeing his game get going. He said, oh, I just hit three bad shots on Sunday that cost me six strokes. Yeah. And so we've seen, you know, when you're on tour, like I played for 30 years, some weeks, Diane, you know, you you – 
you will have three and a half good rounds and you'll blow up on a certain hole or two. Now, this is coming down to crunch time. We got no time to have any bad stretches anymore. Patrick Rogers is 121st on the FedEx, and that's all you got to know about him looking like this and <laughs> keep away, everybody behind me, keep away. <laughs> And then our third sizzler is 80 to 1, which I think is really good. A lot of value in this guy who grew up just a few miles from this golf course just outside of Blaine. And he just lost in a playoff at the Rocket Mortgage a few weeks ago. Now we're talking about the fact that, you know, Rocket Mortgage, the Barbasol this week, they're, they're kind of three easier courses in the circuit. So it's a great chance for Troy Merritt. He finished in a tie for seventh here in 2019 and he's been really consistent so there's no reason why this could not be the week there is you're absolutely right and whenever you think about a guy that knows the golf course has played well in his home course if you looked at my record at the houston open you would say i'll never bet on elk at the houston open played terrible during my home week but Troy Merritt plays good on this course, Diane. He, as you noted, he just finished second at the Barbas, uh, sorry, at the uh, Rocket Mortgage, beating the playoff by Cam Davis. He went home. He relaxed. He watched the golf on TV. He is ready to go. And he's had four top tens this season, which is impressive anyway, but they've all come since May. <laughs> so that definitely tells you where his game is and how it's trending. So our three sizzlers for the week, Johnny Vegas, Patrick Rogers, and Troy Merritt. Right, Elk, thank you very much. Jay Kaplan's gonna be here soon and we're gonna look at those dark horse picks. But as you say, a course that you've played before when it was on the Champions Tour, so I'm sure you're excited to see it this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a great course. There'll be some good scoring. There's a lot of uh, par fives that I think the whole field will be able to reach the greens in two. The one, the famous one behind your shoulder is a par five 18 that you can go for in two. Wolf decided the tournament uh, two years ago when he made an eagle to beat Dijembo and Morikara, and we could not have known what all three of those players would have done from that moment forward. But yeah, this is a fun course. You've got to hit the ball well. You've got to strike it solid because you're going across a lot of water. It's going to be a fun tournament to watch. Well, we're on to the fifth and final part of the Tour Report this week for the 3M Open on the PGA Tour. And Jay Kaplan, as if by magic, has appeared. And, well, he's going to give us his wisdom and picks for the week. Mind you, dude, you need to step it up a little bit. Things have not been going well in your camp. My camp should be banned from this show. I'm, I'm um, you know, as good as I was early in the year, and I was. I look back and think, what was I doing that was making me so successful picking dark horses? And I'm not doing anything differently. I, you know, sometimes you look at the chart and you're like, it's so crystal clear, Diane. And sometimes you look at it and it looks like a calculus course in the hardest university in the universe. And I just can't seem to figure out how to get around it. But this is my week. I turn it around. Well, we always say with the dark horse picks that, you know, we're looking for guys to make the cut. And that kind of comes on the back of the SG Tour golf gaming app because you have a four ball team, lowest aggregate score wins. That reminds me, I need to check where I finished because I was in fourth place for a long time in the big game. But if guys make the cut, then obviously, you know, you're going to get more points. So with dark horses, we kind of equate it to that 
My dark horse for the open, Johannes Veerman, made the cut. How did yours do? Thanks for bringing that up. I had uh, a repeat of an earlier duo with Charlie Hoffman and Matt Jones. And not only did they both miss the cut, they, it was like they were playing together to torture me. Their scores were exactly the same. Every time one bogeyed, the other bogeyed. Every time one birdied, the other birdied. They were close but didn't make it. And as you know, with cut lines, it doesn't really matter. You're either in or out. I just checked and I finished third. I know you can't see this right now. And I won $33.12. Great. Lunch is on you. Oh, my so. gosh. I won by one. And it was... Um, yeah, I had Brooks Kepka, Robert McIntyre, Marcus Armitage, and Jack Sr. I didn't even have my dark horse in there. You didn't have your dark horse. <laughs> but uh, I had another. No, I, um, yeah. That's good so good, you. though. Yeah. Well, go ahead and call out who you beat. Who finished fourth so we can... Well, this is the Elks huge game, so I don't know, a guy called DW Beast 21. <laughs> I just always like to see where Elk finished, um, because as long as I... Where did Elk finish? <gasps> he finished 36th. He only he won $3. Sounds like his normal Open Championship result when he played. Oh, yeah, two guys that missed the cut, and they're plus 10 right. each day for missing the cut. Anyway, so... There we go. I, maybe the whole point of that was just listen to me when it comes to my dark horse pick. However, I'm going to give the honours to you. You can kick it off this week, Jay. All right. Well, here's a shot in the dark. I've used this guy before. Uh, in fact, I used him in Detroit a few weeks ago. And uh, he missed the cut, lo and behold. <laughs> However, my number one factor this week is what our general theme has been for the last few weeks. FedEx cup points and who's hovering around that 125 mark so uh this first guy is a veteran he's been here seems like he's here every year um he's coming off a fifth place finish yesterday so that's one reason i went with him um he's also fourth in putting average and when, when you get in these high scoring events you got to put the ball in the hole so that'll be a plus for him his weakness is his tee ball, but it's not terrible, but he is a great putter. He's 24th in putting average on tour and his birdie average hovers around 63, which isn't so bad. And in a time and a place where you have to score and the pressure's on as he comes in 135th on the FedEx cup points list, it's time for this guy to secure his place next year. And I think this is a great opportunity for him. Um, he's familiar with this part of the country he's an ohio guy but he's a big 10 guy so minnesota is kind of right there in his wheelhouse my first dark horse pick and i'm crossing my fingers is ryan armor okay a pivotal for him to have a good week going by that position in the fedex cup standings so very much very much what are his odds uh, Mr. Armour is 125 to 1, which I like. Um, that's, a, that's a good value for a guy like him who does have something on, significant on the line. Well, we always say dark horses have to be over 100 to 1. And my guy is bang on the number this week. Oh, thank goodness. 100 to 1. Now, I will give you my reasons why. I am looking, well, 76th in the FedEx Cup standing. So he's having a good season. He has a good number. 
but he, you know everyone has their own goals and he's going to be aiming for top 70 for the second round of the playoffs and thinking like hey I could almost go all the way so really good position for him sixth place finish at the Rocket Mortgage Classic 18th at the John Deere so I'm looking at results but also this guy hits it a mile he's 11th on the whole PGA Tour in driving distance and with 72 bunkers around TPC Twin Cities, I looked at Sand Save stats and he's 15th on the PGA Tour. So I think good play combined with those numbers and the fact he is having a good season overall. Brandon Hagee at 100 to 1 is my dark horse pick this week. Well, you always come prepared and you lay out your case for why each guy. And the fact of the matter is, You've been hot with your dark horse pick, so I don't know why anybody would go away from that. I'm surprised he was 100 to 1. I thought he was going to be out with the realms when I saw it. I'm like, I'm definitely, definitely taking that. So Brandon Hagee and Ryan Armour. And then our third dark horse pick, over to you. Uh, Same concept. Got to perform this week. He's running out of time. He comes in 146th on the FedEx Cup point list. Here's what I like about this chap, 46th in driving, 27th in green and regulation. That means he's going to be on the green, ready to score. His Achilles is his putter. So maybe this is the week because of the pressure that he feels like uh, he's got to convert some of these uh, putts so he can be in contention and at least finish in the top 10. I'll just take a cut. Usually now I'm sort of the black widow of of the duo, you and I, because of, sorry, that was an animal fight going on over here. They're upset about my dark horse picks too, but um, my second dark horse pick is a guy that is coming off his best finish in over two months and 11th last week, finished in 11th place. My final dark horse pick, Diane, and I'm crossing my fingers because this is make or break for not just this dude, but for me, is the one and only Joseph Bramlett. At 150 to 1. And as you say, 146 in the FedEx Cup standing. So needs a push, needs a really, really good week to tie up his living for next year. So our three dark horse picks are Joseph Bramlett at 150 to 1, Ryan Armour at 125 to 1, and then my guy, Brandon Hagee at 100 to 1. I'm going to throw in one name as well. He's only 40 to 1, so he's not a dark horse, but we didn't fit him in anywhere else in the show, and I do think that he's worth mentioning. Luke List coming off at fifth place at the Barbasol Championship, um, and he was right up the top of the leaderboard at the, the end of Saturday and for a lot of Sunday. And then fourth place at the John Deere a week before. As we've said, it's a kind of stretch of slightly easier courses by PGA Tour standards. And he's playing great right now. So 40 to 1, there's maybe something in Luke List this week for the 3M Open. I'm going to keep an eye on him. You always, every time you throw in a late name, he does well. So this will be something to look at. Just wanted to fit him in somewhere we couldn't earlier. So worth a mention. Right. Thank you very much for watching the tour report. So um, we're hurtling towards these FedEx Cup playoffs as we keep talking about. But next week, it's a break 
from everything apart from the Olympics. We're still going to do a show and we're really going to talk about the teams that are going to be competing over in Tokyo. It's going to be exciting. Justin Rose will not be there to defend his gold medal, um, but we will have to talk about some really big names that have made that trip uh, to the other side of the world. Sports Social Podcast Network.